I just realized we I was gonna go hey weirdos we've already started one episode with hey weirdos our April Fool's episode we did hey weirdos again hey silly people the strange and unusual people what did you say to your mom little freak much freaking little freak much freaking much freaking and welcome to little freak <laughs> little freak much freaking much freaking i was like what would that entail but i feel like that's just a normal episode for us <laughs> like mm, yeah it do be it do be what it do be little freak much jezebel <laughs> little freak much jezebel that's what harry said harry said if you guys aren't listening to the little sleep much reading podcast what are you doing doing what are we doing what are we doing um love him love him but hate him also correct but love him (laughs) Um, hey i'm liza and i'm riss and this is the little sleep much reading podcast Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. In case you didn't realize by the title of the episode, or us saying, hey, weirdos at the beginning, this is another morbid meets little sleep episode yeah <laughs> Rissy just goes yeah what what are we doing this week Rissy? what are we doing um we are reading a special book by a special lady um one of the, if you don't know <laughs> one of the hosts of morbid podcast which if you don't listen to go listen to it because it's fun her name's elena and she wrote a book, and we read it, and now we're going to talk about it. Now we're going to talk about it. It just came out um, at the end of September, and I think it's already on the New York Times bestseller list, if I'm yes. not mistaken. It is. Let me check her page, because she posted about that. Elena. Elena to the max. Let's see. Elena to the max. Okay, so it was number one on the Wall Street Journal. And I think it's a New York Times bestseller as well. But it was number one hardcover fiction. It beat out Stephen King fairy tale. Hell yeah. That makes me so happy. I love that. I also, one thing about Stephen King fairy tale, I heard some people saying it's like one of his best, and I don't know what to think about that. I've heard people say that it's as good as his um, drug-induced writing. Interesting. Which is an interesting thing to say, but I also saw someone rate it only a 3.5 out of 5, but they didn't say why. So I think it's just I, I've I've seen more great reviews mm-hmm. than not. 
Right, right. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to take a look at it. It's a little too thick for my liking. Is it short stories or is it just one story? I think it's one story. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'm, you know, I think for my Stephen King fix for this month, I'm going to reread The Shining. Yeah. That's like my favorite. And then um, I will wait to read Fairy Tale until it comes out in paperback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm also not buying that in hardcover, honey. No. Even the 30% off, I'm like, eh. I wonder how many hours the audiobook is because in that case, maybe I would do that just to see. But my Stephen King fix, I'm probably just going to watch some. I'll watch it. Might watch Doctor Sleep. Liza, read The Shining. I know. I know I have to read it at some point. That one, maybe I'll read in like January when it's like dead winter outside. Oh, yeah, because that that is very December claustrophobia, winter horror. It might be like the perfect, whereas I'm never going to read it. I just won't do it. But it, the movie, feels like fall vibes to me, even though I Is it fall in the? Yeah, right? It's like summer, fall. Yeah, so we'll do that. But also, I was looking at the Wall Street Journal, and it's worth noting that there's quite a few, like, mystery thriller authors on the list, and Elena beat out all of them. Wow. She also beat out Mo Willems, The Pigeon Will Ride the Roller Coaster. Oh, no. Who may I be, love Mo Willems. He maybe should have been at the top of the list. <laughs> Sorry, Elena. But Pigeon Rules. Pigeon Rules. <laughs> um... Another person on this list that I was just looking at, um, Shay Earnshaw, who I love, wrote that Long Live the Pumpkin Queen book. And I don't usually like licensed fiction, but I'm intrigued by it. I've heard great things. Okay. I might have to read that one. And I've, I've heard great things by a wide spectrum of people. Okay. Also, to... I could be totally wrong in making this up, but wasn't mystery the most read genre for a long time? I'm sure that's true, and I'm sure it might still be true. I think now it's romance. Oh, that would make sense. Also a non sequitur, but Marissa sent me a really sad TikTok about romance that I want to talk about, even though it has nothing to do with this but that like it's so sad like I hate the society we live in that romance is so popular because for a lot of like straight people a man treating you with kindness and respect and romance and like going out of his way to romance you is seen as so out of reach that girls have to and this is strictly talking like a cis hetero way right now but that girls have to go out of their way to read it so that they can imagine it and then men go on to make fun of women for doing that instead of just being better and it made me really sad yeah like just think about the whole like oh men who were written by women thing right like that's wild that shouldn't Um, have to be a trope I even think about like I say all the time I'm like oh I didn't know men like Nick existed until He's right in front of me. And I'm like, wow, 
Nick treats me nicely with respect. Right. He treats me like I'm like a human being. I, I can't be praising him for that. No, like that's the that's the bare minimum. That's the bare freaking minimum, which like he does other great things too. But I'm just like, ugh. That's, a, that's just something that it should be studied more, I think. And it's another thing that, like you said, like, you were like, oh, I think romance is the most popular genre now. What, from a societal standpoint, shifted to make romance more popular than mystery thriller? Right. And the fact that those two are always switching back and forth between the most popular rather than, like, lit fic or sci-fi or fantasy also very interesting to me and I I do also find as someone who does not read romance and actively tries to stay away from it unfortunately Mm -hmm. a lot of the romance that I've heard about or read is kind of toxic and like not even good yeah there's a lot of like it's almost like a man being mean to a woman and then he becomes nice or um he never becomes nice but that whole opposites attract thing or like even when you were little and people would be like oh he's just mean to you because he likes you girl shut the hell up no stop telling children that i don't like that yeah romance is 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 strange i think it is we are seeing i feel like more and more romantic comedy happening yeah and that's interesting. It's it's really it really should because we know we've said this a hundred times, but we know slasher uh, horror comes in times of uh, like societal uh, unrest and uncertainty. I wonder what romantic comedy. I wonder what would happen if you look back at that period in film in the 2000s where romantic comedy was extremely popular and maybe something like that happening again. I don't know if maybe like the Great Recession and then having another Great Recession has something to do with that. I don't know. But there's got to be some scientific thing behind it. Right. Who's doing the research? Who's doing? Hey, (laughs) who's doing it? Doing the research. Who's driving the plane? We can't drive the plane. We can like think about the plane moving. (laughs) But we cannot drive the plane. If it's horror, we got it. We got it. Which, okay, I also think about that, like, I could look at horror and be like, this means this, that means that, this means, you know what I mean? And, like, go through every genre or sub-genre and, like, figure it out. But when it comes to romance, I'm like, like, enemies to lovers. Right neighbors best friends yeah what's that mean my lab partner i'm like what (laughs) what does it mean (laughs) can someone can someone explain that to me we should have somebody on the episode that strictly loves romance and we should talk to them about it and we should read romance for that episode you know i don't want to give colleen hoover any money but I am curious to see what the hype is. I am curious too. And I also will say, despite the fact that I don't really want to read any of Colleen Hoover's books, I find it so slate that Queen outsold the Bible this year. Hell yeah. <laughs> like that will never not be funny to me. And I will never not be proud of her for that. Like, I don't even 
I'm not even a fan, but I'm like, literally, you knocked Jesus out of the water there. <laughs> she said, and let me say this. And she did. And she did. She did. She crazy, girl. She crazy. It gets people to read, though. And so, honestly, I can't, I will never even hate. Right, right. It gets, and I mean, like, like uh, the new, her new, her sequel to her book is coming out. Yes. We have already, just from my little transit store in Clarence, New York, 200 copies on order. Yeah. That's wild. And they'll that's sell so good. Out, they'll sell out in a week. Isn't that crazy? I love books that just get people to read. Like, no matter how many times I have to restock, um, it ends with us. Like, it's, that's fine. Um, because people be reading, and if you read reading. something of hers, you're gonna like something of someone else's. Like exactly. you're just gonna you're gonna hop authors. You're gonna be a little author hopper, and you're gonna you're be gonna, on book talk. You're gonna be on book talk. You're gonna be looking for more, and I appreciate that. And I will say too, the romantic comedy genre is getting more and more diverse too, which is nice. There's a lot of like. Black representation, Latinx representation, plus size representation, more queer representation. So, like, that's cool too. That's lovely. That's lovely. Like, people keep, need that. Keep it, keep it coming. We'll find somebody who reads romantic comedies and get them to come on the show. I'm sure we could find someone at work. Oh, I'm sure. I I know a few people. Uh, yeah, because that's different. We're going to have a smut episode with Miss Lindsay Lop at some right. point. That's, that's not the same. And we're going to have that. we're going to have a fan fiction episode with Cassidy oh, Smith, yeah. and that's different. that's not the same. But this episode, <laughs> this is not a this is not a romantic episode. No, 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 no. This episode, which okay, wait. Speaking of that, <laughs> the head detective on this case yes him being john i was like elena elena i know snuck him in there how cute i thought that was really cute but yeah how do we how do we so let's just broadly start by talking about it a little bit um I don't have my book on me, I don't think. But, so Elena's been writing this book since before Morbid. So it had to have been at least five or six years. Yeah. Um, And this book is about a medical examiner who... is working on the bodies for a specific case um that is weird mm-hmm. and gross mm-hmm. and um you know the past is just coming back to haunt her yeah that's a good way to put it oh and if you guys didn't realize we both read the same book this week yeah this isn't a <laughs> i know this is a you know yeah, last year we kicked off Little Sleep Much um, Halloween with both reading 
the same book we read um something wicked this way comes yes something wicked this way comes by ray bradbury this is very different this is very very different this is spooky spooky spooky. we both loved it though right yes and i was nervous because i never okay let me preface this by saying i always had faith in elena i wasn't like "Uh uh-oh you know I don't know if Elena can write. I always had faith in Elena. What is that Vampire Diaries quote that's like, I will always protect Elena. I'm on my way to murder Elena. The way I said that just reminded me of that. Um, But I always had faith in Elena. But I don't know about you guys, but I get really anxious when somebody that I really like like a celebrity I really like and care about does something new or different. So like, it can even be something as simple as like a band you really like saying, we're going to change our sound and then coming out with a new album. And you're like so nervous and sometimes it works out beautifully and you're like, Whew, okay, good. Um, or like, for example, like Harry Styles, <laughs> him saying, I'm going to be an actor. I was so anxious. I was so scared. And then I watched Don't Worry Darling. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> like, I, I w- <laughs> that occurred. So with Elena, like, it wasn't that I didn't think she was going to be able to write a good book, but I was, like, anxious about it still because it was different than the content we're used to from her like we're used to morbid we're used to elena and ash like uh we're used to the other you know podcasts um and shows they create and so i was just like i'm scared and i had no reason to be scared it was perfect like i can't imagine it going better i'm so happy for her i'm so happy that i got to read it so yeah, if anybody else was feeling like I'm scared because this person I really like did something that's different than what they usually do, I think those feelings are valid because like it's that's only like natural with our like weird like feeling connected to people we don't really know. Um, but it was amazing. Would you say have you read a lot of not just uh, mystery thrillers, but also crime fiction? You know, I haven't. I've read a, I I would say maybe a decent amount, but it's not even really my go-to genre. I do, however, Criminal Minds is my favorite, one of my, like, three favorite TV shows of all time. And this kind of felt like one long episode of criminal minds, but like in a good way. Like, I mean that in like, I guess that's me saying the closest thing I can relate like crime fiction to is criminal minds. Right. And as a lover of criminal minds, I loved this. Would you say that this is like any other crime thing that you have had experienced it didn't remind me of anything does that like not in like a like like it kind of reminded me of criminal minds but like you know how sometimes you read a book and you're like okay so this is 
Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Or like something like that. Where like this is like this true crime book I read or this is this true crime case I heard on Morbid. This didn't give me that vibe. What about you? No, I agree. I don't think this, for quite a few reasons, this isn't really like other crime things that I have um, experienced. And it's even interesting because she references a lot of um, different serial killers or she references Silence of the Lambs a couple times. Yes, she does. And I still think that it's completely different. Um, Yeah. And that's just wild that she could do that while she's always taking in so much serial killer, crime, murder information. Right. You're so right about that because the killer in this book, his... Not his MO, because his MO, like, disposal method is, like, pretty... It's not, like in a copy of anything else but it like mm. rings bells to what we see with other serial killers but his actual killing practice i can't really think of another case like that you know what i mean yes and also elaine did a really really good job at using what like okay we always talk about write what you know yes and like while i'm a fan of that i'm also like I can't write about walking in the jungle if I've never been. You know what I mean? Right. But I can. You can. You can. And maybe you've never hiked in the jungle, but maybe you know a lot about warm weather climates, and maybe you know about the animals there, and maybe you are a zookeeper, and you know firsthand the animals there. Maybe Elena did a good job at writing what she knows in the sense that um, the serial killer in the book is he a serial killer yeah yeah yes stuck like there were things in his childhood that are consistent with serial killers in general but nothing that was a copycat of that and um even I, i was telling this to liza too i've never read a book with as much i've never read a crime book with as much medical detailed medical information as there was in this one yes um and i think it's just so interesting how she can and even even the um the few parts where you get point of view of the serial killer yes i felt like it's like however she wrote him you could feel his mental illness and you could feel his, like, she did She did really, really well at voice changing. Even the first chapter is really eerie. It, like, freaked me out right off the bat. And I, I, I'll echo what Marissa said. Like, I do want to talk about this more, too, I think, when we talk about, I don't know if we'll talk about it more when we talk about plot or, or when we talk about writing, style, language, and style. But I freaking love that this was from the that, that that the protagonist was a medical examiner. Mm-hmm. Because if you guys don't know, Elena is an autopsy tech. 
so she knows exactly what a dead body looks like she knows the stages of decay she knows so many cool things that I'm so forever intrigued by and having this be from the perspective of a medical examiner rather than a detective you got all these tidbits that you never get when it's from somebody writing from the perspective of a detective and that was one of my favorite parts of the book yeah like the descriptions although morbid not to like not to make a pun but although morbid were like really kind of gorgeous in in a way I think her writing shined through the most when she was talking about the decedents in the in the piece agreed yes and I will say the only thing that it it reminded me of a little bit is just Patricia Cornwell has a crime series um, with, I think her name's like Kay Scarpetta, I think is her name. And mm-hmm. she's the she's a medical examiner. Yeah. So that's like the, as far as it reminded me of that. But for such a big crime writer as Patricia is, mm-hmm. I thought that this like blew that out um, just with the detail that it had and everything. Which you don't, I don't know. She she really did write what she knew. And there's so many things that I think of that I've seen in not just not just um, crime books, but horror books and, and books where, action books, where there are like a lot of YA books where there's injuries and things like that. You get it, but you never get under the skin of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she did a really good job at being like, oh, there's discoloration on the face and it's this color. So that means it had to be this long ago because and then explaining to you why it happens the way that it does. Right. And you you don't get that. Even simple things like the difference between rigor mortis and liver mortis and her explaining that in the book, because how many times have you watched like freaking Law and Order SVU or like Criminal Minds and you're like... They're like the rigor mortis is it. like that's not the only thing that happens when right. somebody dies. Right. And that's not the only way you can figure out um, if a body's been transported, you know, or how long they've been dead. And like, it's almost like she had to do it because she was like, "Well, I know the T, so of course I'm gonna explain it right." And I think right. that was like good that she I mean I don't know like I'd love to hear her talk about it but like I'd love to know if she was like I almost felt like I had to write it like this because I wouldn't be being truthful to myself as an autopsy tech to gloss over facts like that right how lovely is that how lovely she did so good one other thing I do want to say before we get into our rating scale is I feel like it's important because not lit news but um somewhat lit news or horror news um the new tv show about jeffrey dahmer came out starring evan peters i'm still don't know if i'm gonna watch it and a big part of that comes from the fact that it has received a lot of criticism for glorifying jeffrey dahmer oh and for not paying enough attention to the stories of the victims. 
and for re-triggering people's families who are still because Jeffrey Dahmer when you really think about it was not that long ago no there's plenty of people who survived Jeffrey Dahmer who escaped who narrowly avoided him and there's plenty of people who are still alive who lost people they loved to Jeffrey Dahmer and so the tv show is receiving a lot of criticism because of that and one thing I really appreciate about Elena and Ash is that they always have an emphasis on the victims they never glorify the killers um they're always sure to give you background on the victims and their lives and who they were and who they left behind and i think this book we don't get a really rounded out portrait of victims per se but i I, like i said i don't really want to like spoil anything but like one thing i that we were talking about earlier, we were like, oh, this doesn't really remind me of any other crime. She didn't base this off of a a crime. And like, she based it off of her crime knowledge and pooling all that together. But she didn't say, oh, I'm going to retell this Ted Bundy murder. I'm going to retell this, you know, an episode from the podcast, but fictionalize it. Because I think there's a danger to fictionalizing a heinous crime. And I think that's what happened with this new Jeffrey Dahmer show. And so I just want to also give a shout out to Elena for, I, I, I know she would never do that, but like, it's also like, if you're a crime novel fan, it's cool when they don't <laughs> fictionalize a murder that really happened and really affected people and, or sensationalize a monster. Right. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I love Evan Peters. I think that he is the cutest little thing. And when I saw that he was cast, I was like, that was good casting because I can see it. And even when Ross Lynch played Jeffrey Dahmer, I was like, that was good casting because I can see it. But I do also think about, like, obviously, Ross Lynch is hot. Obviously, Evan Peters is hot. Or, like, when Zac Efron was cast as Ted Bundy. <laughs> Obviously, Zac Efron is hot. Right. So, like, what is that? And, like, okay. With Ted Bundy, I, I understand it only because he was charming to people. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so, I understand that you want to make him look attractive and charming at, at some kind of base level. I'm still I just I also just don't know how I feel about it and and like I've seen so many people posting like Evan Peter thirst traps right. as he's in Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> character no, and like I'm like that and also it's gross he was gross he was really gross he was gross and he was not charming at all he no. was scary and everybody who lived to tell the tale says that they're like that guy was a freak like huh and i've also heard people say that about ted bundy too i've heard people be like you know he wasn't all that charming like there was something sinister about him so then when you put zach efron in there it's like huh like i i will say (laughs) my friend Dahmer freaked me the fuck out i think that ross lynch did a really good job Uh uh-huh and that was interesting too because he didn't kill anybody 
in the that movie but it also didn't humanize him like you know how sometimes they try to like humanize a killer and you're like don't fucking do that that's a monster right right. um they didn't do that in my opinion in my friend Dahmer like it was it still like wigged me out the whole time and I don't know if maybe they're gonna do that in the Evan Peters one too but I find Evan Peters really scary even though I also like him as an actor but like I don't have a crush on Tate He's no. a school shooter. Why the fuck? And he does a great job acting like a school shooter. He's terrifying. Right. He fu- He's a rapist and a school shooter. Like, I'm not attracted. It's just like when people are attracted to Joe Goldberg from you. Oh, I'm like, get your, get your brain examined. Because now I can't even look at Penn Badgley the same way. I'm so scared. Right. And I saw someone the other day post. Um, they were like, oh, now that there was the great casting of Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer. We have to do Penn Badgley as Ted Bundy, which I'm like, he's not going to do that because you guys made him feel weird in the first place. You guys made him feel, he said that he was like, I hate Joe Goldberg. And I was like, bitch, me too. Amen. King. Like exactly. You should not be attracted to killers. Please don't. Don't do that. If you are, do you have anyone you could talk to? And I don't know if Jeremy's supposed to... I think he's technically supposed to be handsome in The Butcher and the Wren, just based on the way she describes his, like, face and hair. But she doesn't do it in a way that, like, oh, he was hot. Like, she's simply describing how he looks. But he freaked the hell out of me. He was so scary like as a human yeah jeremy freaked me the fuck out yeah no i found him so scary we hate that guy we hate that guy (laughs) we hate that guy without further ado though should we get into our rating scale let's do it i readability and interest i gave this book a nine which is one of the highest so far this highest so far this season and one of the highest so far maybe in the whole podcast I feel like I usually give things like a seven or an eight girl this is a nine I read this book in like two or three days maybe two days maybe three no two I think I don't remember but I did not want to put it down like when I had to stop reading it was because I had to because I had like things I had to do but could I have read this all in one sitting? Yeah. It was like almost um, like the way she split up the chapters. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get into form. Like it was alternating perspectives. You had to know what happened next. And so I wanted to finish it all in one go. And therefore, when I had to stop and do other stuff, I was still thinking like, I was like, what the hell is going to happen now? What's going on? It was really that sort of like binge read book that you don't really get very often. Yeah, I read it in eight. Um, One thing I really, you know, when I first bought this, I was like, this is a hardcover book that is only a little over 200 pages, right? And I was like, I'm kind of disappointed on how short it is, especially because knowing Elena, she doesn't, she brevity is just not her thing. And so to see like 
it was a lot smaller than I expected it to be. And I, it's not that I was disappointed. I was just shocked. Um, but after reading it, it didn't feel like a short book at all. Like I could probably, I, every part of the book was significant in some way and I remember it. And yeah, it, it didn't feel short. And like Liza was saying, you wanted to keep reading. You wanted to know what was happening next. She did a really good way at keeping the, uh, a really good, a really good job at keeping the chapters short and keeping them intriguing. And so, yeah, she gets an eight from me, bestie. For language and style. I gave this book a seven. I really did like Elena's writing style. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that Marissa and I are both little weirdos and we really liked when writing is just fucking insane and like weird and like fucking peculiar things are happening. This was not one of those books, but my other favorite kind of writing is writing that anybody could pick up and read because I'm really about books being accessible to people and some of my favorite writers are that writing style and Elena was that writing style as well all of that being said there were some really beautiful writing moments and we already talked about this a little bit but for me that came in her description of the corpses in the book and the medical examining process and it also for me came in the descriptions of the setting. I love the morbid girlies because I'm from New England and they're from New England and we're both giving very spooky New England vibes. So I was surprised when this book was taking place in New Orleans instead of New England. But she did such a good job describing New Orleans and she has been there. And some of the stuff that stuck out to me the most was the way she described the heat and the stickiness of it. And it was moments like that that added to, like, there's a claustrophobia to humidity. And I think she used that really well and described it really beautifully at the same time. Would totally agree. I was really surprised when I found out that this was going to be a Swamp Bayou book. Um, Just because, like Liza said, Elena is a New England girly. But it worked so well, and and um, the parts, not to spoil anything, but there were parts where you got the setting from the killer's point of view, and just his idea of it all being kind of like a symphony, and his ideas of the swamp working with him or against him at points was so beautifully done um yeah and those that was some of the best parts of the language and style I think and I would also say um this this could probably also be characterization but I'm gonna put it here when she's describing how Ren feels towards the other the the dead women who she works on there was something really beautiful and almost desperate coming through from that that I just thought was lovely 
and and like I said, it could be you could put that in characterization, but because it came across so well the way that it did, I want to keep it. I want to talk about it here. And so yeah, so for, then for language and style, I gave it a seven. The only reason why it wasn't an eight is because there were definitely some things that I wanted a little bit more of and a little bit tweaked up. And I also want to say other things that I loved about it were I love that she puts music into it. I love that she doesn't overdo a lot of it. Oh, and and of course, we already kind of talked about this, but I loved the I loved the way that she got the the butcher to come across. I loved how you could feel him being mentally ill. Um, And there's also something that we could talk about more at the end that has to do with this. But overall, seven, four, form. I think we're going to have to wait to talk about form too much until we do our spoiler segment. But I gave this book an 8.5 for form because one of the most clever things I have ever seen occur in a novel occurred in this book. And I'm literally not going to say shit about shit until we get to the spoiler part because I just don't want anybody knowing anything about whatever. Um, So all you know right now is that it switches perspectives between Ren and Jeremy, which is cool um that's great we love switching perspectives we love it um and i'm not gonna say anything more 8.5 yeah i gave it an eight yeah (laughs) we'll get to that we'll get there um for shelf worthiness i will give this book a seven i'm gonna keep it because also no spoilers but i wonder it what other books we're gonna get from elena and so, of course, I'm going to keep it on my shelf because, like, I think she's going to write more books. So I want to collect them all. And I'm glad I bought it. I just don't ever know about reading this mysteries twice because you can only be shocked once. So it isn't one of those books that I'm like, I could read it again and again because I know now what happened. And I love what she did. And... um. I was very shocked and disturbed throughout the book, and I liked that about it. Um, But I don't know if it's one that you're going to need to read multiple times, and so that's the only reason I would put it lower, that, like, if you got a library card, which you should, you could take it out from the library, but you should also be more than welcome to freaking buy this because it's her debut book, and you should support her, but also if you can't monetarily support her, take it out from the library. So I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so I gave it an eight. And here's the thing I agree with Liza. You can't read a mystery and have that same element of surprise twice. But if she decides to release more books, I am the type of person who would, in anticipation for the next book, go back and read the other books just to like refresh myself and not forget key details and things like that. So I am definitely going to keep this on my shelf and I probably would read it again just in anticipation for whatever is coming next. And I think from a writerly standpoint, there are parts of this that I would want to go back and read and try to see how she did that. Yeah. And um, fun fact 
about Elena. I didn't finish. Did you end up listening to the episode about the butcher and the red? I don't think I did because I didn't want to know. I tried to listen to it yesterday, but I fell asleep because I was real tired. Yeah, she was sleeping. But um, but I do remember right in the beginning, Elena says that she doesn't write in order. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Wild. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, I agree with Marissa, but I there's something she did that I'm gonna go back and say, girl, how'd you do that? For plot, also one of my highest rankings of the season. I gave this a nine. It was so good. No loose ends in terms of loose ends, but loose ends in terms of loose ends. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) The plot twists were insane. Funny that we mentioned Shay Earnshaw earlier in this episode because Shay Earnshaw's plot twist is one of my favorite plot twists of all time. Probably my favorite. Um, This is up there. It came close. It was crazy. I was shook. And it was completely, what's that Lady Gaga? Like, completely, totally original, completely not ever been done before. That's how I felt about this plot. Very fast-paced, twists and turns, really interesting stuff happening. Again, I think the medical examiner perspective of it makes this book extra interesting. The dual perspective makes the plot extra interesting makes the stakes higher, makes the tension higher. Yeah, amazing. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah, I also gave this a nine. Yeah, like Liza said, I simply just have not read one like this. And also, like I mentioned earlier, everything was really important to contributing to the story as a whole. And while you're like, yeah, like that's what, books are like no not to be this person but pick up one of those chunky ass Stephen King books half of that should have been cut yeah half of that should have been cut and um I don't know who her editor was and who helped her work through this process but they did a wonderful job at keeping her on track and making sure that everything that went into this book was as it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she got a nine and frankly, besties, she deserved that nine. She deserved that nine. She got that nine. She deserved that nine. Characterization. I gave this book an eight. I thought the characters were really well done. I think all the characters were well done. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think John, Ren, and Jeremy, who are our three main characters, were all very well-rounded and they all made sense to me. Of course, this is not the kind of book where you're going to relate to the character, all the characters, um, but they all made sense, which we always say is our most like important thing that whenever you introduce a character you can have them change and stuff throughout the story, but like they can't be doing shit that they weren't going to be doing. And I think Elena did a really good job with that. Also, a lot of the side characters were, I thought really well, they seemed very real. 
she captured just humanity really well. And I mean that in saying the dark sides of humanity as well. Right. Um, the, char- the characters' um, interactions with each other, I also thought were really well done. Specifically with Ren and John, but also with other characters. The dynamic character dynamics, I guess, is the word I'm looking for there. Um, yeah. What did I say? Eight? Eight. Yeah, I gave it a nine. Again, I think... I think that the way she wrote... The Butcher. There's just simply so much... Amazing... Writing to be able to have really got into him like that. And, um, you know, there's one part where he's describing a girl. And it is gross. And it's horrible. You know what I mean? And she does it so well. Um, Yeah. And I just feel like I know... And there's also, again, we can talk about this in this minute in a minute, but there's a change in a character that is so interesting, but makes so much sense. Yeah, so we'll talk about that, but a nine. Wow, Marissa was talking, my heat started turning on because I think my building has like a pedometer. Is that the right word? Hmm. I don't know but I think it has a pedometer where like a pedometer I think it has like this feature where if it drops below 50 degrees the heat turns on it's really rainy right now it's about 50 degrees it's kind of cold in here but I still didn't really want that fucking heat in my apartment to turn on yet because it doesn't feel like it's time for that but anyway if you start hearing really 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 loud noises it's because my apartment is from the 1920s and the heating system is so bizarre that it like literally sounds like there's a ghost. No, that's not even the right word. It sounds like there's a person in all the radiators who's in there with like a freaking like spatula, like banging on. So if you hear that noise, that's what it is. Um, I guess now that we've gone through the rating scale, if you haven't read the book, turn off the podcast now next week we're reading we're doing something else really cool we're reading a book that comes out this week while we're recording this but we're the episode's gonna come out next week called it came from the closet which is a collection uh the feminist press sent it to us thank you feminist press So we've had it for a while and we've been really excited to read it and to talk about it with you guys. But it's about queer horror and it features 25 essays from queer writers about horror. And I already am loving it. So that's next week. You can look forward to that. We're both reading the same book again. So it's going to be the same sort of thing, except I don't know if we'll end up doing a rating scale because it is like 25 different essays by 25 different people. So we'll figure that out when we get to it. But turn off the episode come back next week for it came from the closet and without further ado you have now been warned 
it's spoiler central. Only listen to this part of the podcast if you read The Butcher and the Wren or if you really don't care. But I would suggest you, if you have any interest in reading this book, please turn it off now. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Welcome to Little Sleep. Much spoilers. Little Sleep, much spoilers. I feel like we we never do this. We usually try not to spoil books. And then if we do, it's because we think nobody's going to read it because there's been like a few, like one time Marissa read this one book that she hated. <laughs> Remember that one about the exorcisms? Yep, that was bad. Or also we'll sometimes spoil a book that like if you haven't read it by now, that's like your own fault. <laughs> like I feel like we've like spoiled like beloved before or something like that right. or like something like a classic and literally like that's just your problem if you've made it this far in life Some books are too old for you to not know what's happening right same with like horror movies like we'll we'll spoil a old horror film till the end of time but we never do this with new books or books that we like so you should really only be here if you already read the book. And if you haven't, you should go read the book and then come back. Yeah, literally. You could go read you could go read it in a day and finish the episode in the same day if you really wanted to. If you were that curious. You could do it. You could do it. But holy shit. Marissa, why did we give this book um such a high rating for the form? Because there is a time split in this book and you you don't know until like halfway through the book and then it like clicks it clicks and she never elena never once said okay now y'all know here's the times never if you were like a perceptive reader which is fine like some i had to stop for a second and say wait what huh who but in a good way. Like, I wasn't like, I'm confused. I was like, no, uh. If you were like just reading this to read it, there's a chance that you would like miss it for quite a few pages, miss the reveal for quite a while. And there was a point where I feel like I should have known at that point, and I didn't know until the next chapter. Yes. Because there's one point where, um, she finds a, a an engraved bracelet, and she's like, I am Emily. I am Ren. And I just thought, like, oh, because she knows that she went to the medical like field, and they were at that point at the same time. So she's, like, identifying with her. Super cool. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. So, yeah, basically the one of the people who is a victim in one segment of Jeremy's perspective is also Ren. And not only was that clever, and oh my God, my heat, can you hear it now? I do hear it now. Okay. Um, it's not going to stop, so I'm just going to have to talk through it. Jesus, cheesy Pete. Someone's dying in the heater. Someone's dying in the heater. Um, but the craziest part was, for me at least, Jeremy's whole perspective I thought was happening in the same time. So I'm thinking he's got these people locked up in the basement and then Ren and John are discovering these bodies and then he gets this other girl from the school, which he's currently attending, kidnaps her, 
releases them all into the bayou to hunt them. The one girl gets away. So I'm like, okay, so she's going to make it to the police station. She's going to tell John and Ren this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. The f- there's a front story and a back story. Huh? And she gets away and then they find a body. Yes. That is like, I don't want to say damaged because that sounds like I'm talking about an object, but is um, wounded in the same way that he wounded her. Yes. So for a second, I was like, he somehow got her again and put her in there. You know what I mean? It's like yes, it, it I worked that out that lovely way where for a minute you're like, oh no. And then you find out. And the other cool thing is that, like, we know that Jeremy and Cal are the same person. And deep down, Ren knows that Jeremy and Cal are the same person. And that all these people are the Bayou Butcher. But, like, there's still, like, some, like, ambiguity, you know what I mean? Of being like, okay, what? What the what? Right. And I'm also like, there's something really, really scary to me about the fact that this guy's willing to use his real name and go undisguised in front of these people who he's torturing and murdering. But when he's at school, he wears a fake beard and he goes by a, a, a technically like a fake name. Like, that is creepy to be someone else completely in your everyday life. And I mean, like, that is what these murderers, that is what serial killers are and what they do. So, like, she, she, the way she did that in a literary sense is just so genius. It was so so good. I will say this, too. Jeremy's confidence is baffling. I'm like, this guy's a freaking nutcase. Telling people his real name. I know him. Think of how many men you know who are just like that. Yeah. Ooh, it freaks me. That's why this character is so scary. Like, for real, for real. The other thing that I feel like was maybe going to be a spoiler was when I was like, I think Elena might write other books. Um, it, If you read the book, which you did if you're here, uh, they don't catch him. Which I thought <laughs> that they did at first. Girl, I did too. That was another really surprise. And then I was like, how, like, obviously, like, how did she fool me? You know what I mean? Like, I felt silly that I actually, like, fell into that. I did. But, like, oh, she got me. Fool me once, Elena, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Another thing I really loved. Oh, so this is something that we were talking about, or I mentioned when I was talking about characterization. So, because there is a time jump and you're getting to see both Emily and Ren who are the same person, but at different periods of time, you can see a very clear like character development that had happened where I feel like in a lot of other books, you'd be like, that makes no sense because she wouldn't act like that or she wouldn't be like that. 
And like, again, we've had, we've had a seven year time gap where we know nothing about what happened, but we do know that this one very traumatic event happened. And if you think about like this very traumatic event happened to Emily and because of it, Ren is the way she is. It makes so much sense. Like it, it was like amazing character development in my opinion. Agreed. And it explains why Jeremy is the way he is. Yeah. After that, after, you know, she escaped, it changed his, the way he operates as a killer and his motives. Yeah. Yeah. Because with a narcissist like that, escaping and evading him, that's going to change. That's going to fuck him up. And it did. And it did. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen in book two because he's now he's escaped. And how is that going to change him again? Uh, because it was almost like he was he was reaching his end game and he was also devolving. So now that he's escaped, is he going to get more confident again? What's gonna is he gonna get crazier? Like what's gonna go down? And I'm also like, he is the Bayou Butcher. If you take him out of the Bayou, then what is he? He's Can he nothing. still hunt? Is he still gonna have his his hunting game? Right. Um. Also, the part where she's like, the only other case I had with what what was it like hemlock or whatever? Yeah. Was with this lady who came in, and then you realize it was him. I hate that. I, I don't know. like men killing their mothers. That's two horns for me. I don't like it. No, I know. I thought that too, and that was another thing that like almost went over my head. But once you get it, you're like, Ooh. yeah. I his the Bayou is such a part of his who he is that I'm gonna. I'm really curious to see what's gonna happen if he jumps over state lines and how Ren and John are going to be able to go over state lines. <sighs> what a good-ass book. What a good-ass book. Maybe it'll take place in, like, Florida, so it's still the bayou, but, like, a different bayou. Yeah. I can't see him going to a city because, like, what's he... He, he can't do what... Like, he's not the kind of killer who can just kill... Can't. And be satisfied. He has to do this whole like ritualistic hunting thing. Um, oh, that's another thing. I loved how when Emily was interacting with, I think her name was like Katie, another one of um, his victims, you could tell that they, and he even says it. He's like, I put them together because I knew that they wouldn't like each other. And I love that it wasn't like totally a, a like, oh, we're victims. We're going to bond together and be strong together. Like, because I feel like that's so unrealistic yeah so yeah so we yeah that. guys we loved we hope you guys loved this book we love this book and i hope a new one comes out soon also we forgot to mention earlier um that this is being turned into a tv show which is interesting which is wild yeah That's so fast for that, that was to a quick turnaround <laughs> but it's not like they started filming the show yet it just means that somebody in Hollywood read this book early and said, now that's what I call television. I'm just hoping that 
it gets into the hands of the right people. Yes. We don't need this to be a TV rated thing. You know, this has to be like HBO, Netflix type of show. I hope Showtime makes it. Yes, something big that will be able to give Elena the space that she needs to work on what she has to do and also won't change it too much and keep it in high production. Right. Because Showtime makes Yellow Jackets and I can see this being made by the same people who make Yellow Jackets. Yeah, that would be so nice. Um, Don't let the CW come near this. No. Do not. I don't think no. it would because it's not teenagers and CW has a fucking fixation with teenagers which is horrifying in its own right. So... <laughs> These are all adult characters. They turn it into a musical. Riverdale-based musical. Oh my freaking god. I can't. I can't. Um, I would just be copying it, but cast Will Lamontagne from um (laughs) from Criminal Minds as Detective John LaRoe, please. Do it. He's already got a perfect Louisiana accent. Put him in. But yeah. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but but guys, yeah. We love to see it personally. And we love Elena and we love Ash and we love Morbid. And we love the Butcher and the Wren. And we love you guys. And we love you guys. And we'll see you next week for a super queer horror fun fest. So excited. Also, because this is... I mean, I don't think we said this last week because it wasn't October for us, but happy spooky season. Happy spooky season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And we love you guys. And we love you and bye. Peace out.